BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yes, sir. Welcome back to another Chopper Dive podcast. I'm your host, Molly Maul. Uh, Dre is in here checking in. AJ should be on the way shortly. Um, I guess before we get started, like, subscribe. If you're on the YouTube side, man, if you're on Twitch and, and, and Twitter, man, welcome. Uh, if you're on the audio side, um, if you haven't followed, make sure you hit that follow button. If you haven't rated and reviewed, man, we definitely appreciate that as well. Dre, what's going on with you, player? How you feeling, dog? What's good, bro? Hey, I'm all good, man. Last week of the season, we got some real change coming in next week, so everything's good, man. Hey, blessings, man. You know what? You know what I realized? Uh, so I was on. Uh, Monty, what's going on with you? Um, Roger. I think I said your name. I think I remember your name. Uh, what's going on with you, big dog? Yeah. Um, it's crazy because Rush Rush Manuel on Twitter said that Sunday is Ron Rivera's birthday. Um, Greg, what's going on with you, player? Appreciate you checking in too. It's Ron Rivera's birthday on Sunday, and like I can't help but think, like, is he happy? Like, I mean, obviously, another another year of life is is always a blessing. So, like, personal aside, like. I wonder, like, how he's taking in what's going to happen the very next day uh, after after Sunday. Like, damn, my birthday today, but I'm I'm fired. I ain't got no job. <laughs> like, but you know, Amal, that's actually funny because I actually thought the news oh, would come Sunday man. night, but now oh, that we're hearing that it's birthday on Sunday, they're gonna have to wait till Monday. But hey, he that'd be, be hilarious. Hey, yeah. Ron, Ron he already the money, said. Man. No, he already said that they're going to send him his Super Bowl ring. You know what I'm saying? When that we go too. out there, he good. He left it in a great place. So, he all right, man. Hey, that boy, that man ain't tripping at all, man. I'm over here. Bro, I'm in pain. I ain't realizing if I started laughing, my ribs going to hurt. Just know you did me a favor doing the um the, the topics for today, bro. I I just uh unalived or, or alive myself or woke up from the dead like at 5 p.m., bro. I, I went through hell last night. I'm gonna I'm give a shout out to one of my favorite spots um, in the area. Like it's this low key spot, man, called Lambert's, bro. But they got this bartender there. That's my dog. Um, shout out to Mike. You was man. getting it on a Wednesday, bro. That was a Wednesday. And one Wednesday. in it was it, it wasn't even on purpose, bro. Just know I went there. <laughs> I went there for one strawberry henny, and I ordered some wings and fries, bro. After after our workout, which is also counterproductive, but sometimes we just don't give a damn, like. We just want to wind down and stuff, right? So we get our we, we ordered a strawberry henny, but by the time we finish our drink, our wings ain't out yet. And like it usually takes like 20 minutes for the wings to come out. Our wings ain't come out for like an hour. And like I'm on the verge of leaving at this point. But one of my man's order, he orders another round of strawberry hennies. I ain't asked for it. I didn't even know he ordered it for all of us. I thought he ordered it for himself. <laughs> so, so they came back with another one, and that's what did it. Like 
their drinks is not just like no regular drink, bro. Like at Lambert's, sure. man, they going, they going, they going to fill that. They going to fill that MFR up to the brim with hand dog and a splash. <laughs> a strawberry, hey, whatever. When you say when you said strawberry henny, I already knew what type of time they was on because that sounds like some shit at stands. You know, stands will make uh, them dance. At stands, they just give you the glass of liquor and they give you a chaser and a little glass on the side. <laughs> that's actually crazy because I don't where's where's stands at? Because that's that's new to me. It stands, oh bro, shoot, stands in DC. I think it's off there in downtown like Vermont, black owned joint. Got okay. some of the best baked wings you'll ever have, bro. I don't even usually do baked wings. But uh-huh. these baked wings, oh, stands don't play. And them drinks, like I said, you order, like if you go up in there, you be like, bro, let me get a, a rum and Coke. They're going to fill your glass. They're going to give you one glass full of rum, and then they're going to give you one glass full of the Coke. So you can mix uh-huh. it how you want to mix it. Hey, so do they got, they, it's a bar, like they got TVs, like for games and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, but it's 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 kind of cramped, though, to be honest. Like okay. it ain't like the biggest little space. But yeah, they okay. got TVs up in there. They got places where you could sit up in there. But it's, it'd be full of, I mean, it's like, it's a young black professional crowd that usually be up in that joint. So. Say yeah. no more, bro. You just, you just put me on, bro. I got I to gotta, yeah, I gotta check man. that spot out. Probably stands like and make them dance. It's called stands, but we say stands and make them dance. That's what you know. Hey, Dre, Dre, Dre a regular. Okay, he got the he got. The I ain't been down. in a while, bro. Hey, bro, I don't, I don't go out like I used to. You know what I'm saying? Like back in the day, I was out all the time. Now I be in the house chilling, watching sports. You know dance, what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, so look, let's get into the show. What's going on, Amani? Mister, appreciate you checking in. Um, where are we going to start? So look, I, I think um for us, I saw where oh I'm in the wrong. Where is it at? Here we go. All right. So I'm over here thinking about um, your most, I think this is the most important question since we're, since we're on Ron, we might as well talk about it for a second. Where does Ron's tenure rank for coaches in the Snyder era? Um, I honestly am glad that you put that out there, Dre, because this was something that's been on my mind for some time now. And I wasn't trying to get into this like when we had like three or four weeks to go. So it's perfectly fine to kind of talk about this now. Everybody in the chat, if you want to comment, let us know where you think Ron ranks in the Snyder era. Um, First and foremost, before I even start, um, I'm so thankful that the last of Snyder is out the door. Like, and, and it's unfortunate that, you know, some people who are probably good people are associated with Dan Snyder, but it, it proved throughout his entire time here, Dan Snyder, um, that you were never going to win with him. And like it it showed itself for every single coach that came in here. Um and, and everybody flourished. Uh excuse me, let me be clear. Um the people who have who were good coaches or who were good players, um, they they stood the test of time when they left here and they were able to flourish elsewhere. Uh with that being said, I don't think that would ever apply to Ron if he was younger. I think Ron is probably he probably I'm Amani says only above Spurrier. Um, I think that Ron Rivera is probably the worst head coach of Dan Snyder's era. Um, and 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 that it may come across as like a like a, a hot take or something. I, I I know Amani mentioned Spurrier. Um, there were some I mean Jim Zorn exists too. Like I'm not naive or ignorant to the fact that there were some poor coaches, but think about think about Jim Zorn, man, and your expectations for Jim Zorn. Like, and think about the process that it took for him to get here, right? Like, he didn't get the head coaching job uh, because he was a hot commodity. He got it on accident. <laughs> like, no, in real in, in real time, like, you should have never expected much of anything from Jen Zorn. And for, for him to go eight and eight his first year here and start six and two and all those things, like, obviously ended up turning to be, like, fool's gold in a sense. But at the same time, like, that's the best you can get from a person who ain't really that competent from a head coaching standpoint. Um Steve Spurrier, man, I, I I don't know. Uh, I was still, I mean, I wasn't too young, but I know that Steve Spurrier was just a college guy, and and, and Dan Snyder was chasing uh chasing gold in a sense, like he wanted that hot shot guy. But Ron Rivera was a guy who um like he presented himself a particular way in the media. He presented his, his, himself a particular way to the fan base, uh, to his players, um, and like I can't help but associate himself with and this is not about his personal him as a person but like as a as a head coach and and all these other things bro i felt i can't help but associate him with like con like a con artist 
And and I think the way he the way he tried to do things, hey, the way he tried to do things, man, it's like he never stood on 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 what he did or what he said. He never really took accountability for things. And like he would shift the goalposts in in, in, in certain situations where you knew, like, bro, this like where are we going? Where are we going with this particular topic, or where are we going with this particular angle of 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 coaching or leading this football team? And then I think about like the fact that Dan Schneider gave him uh the power to make decisions from a gm standpoint as well where he should have never even had that position and, and and he took it because he said and it's pressure and this ain't verbatim but he said essentially that's what he wanted in carolina and they wouldn't give it to him and so he's glad that he had this opportunity here and and for me when i think about um a head coach and and ranking him and and dan snyder's era bro like I, I feel like he presented like and on top of that not even like the arrogance like i never Think about how bad or how bad Jay Gruden seasons have gotten, Mike Shanahan seasons have gotten. Now we know Mike Shanahan to a point, right? Mike Shanahan had some leaks coming out from his camp when things started going bad, right? Um, and you can kind of weigh that in and, and kind of make your judgments here and there, right? But I think like for for all of the situations that some of these head coaches have been through, bro, they never treated media. And, and the reason why this is important because media is like a medium between us, the 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 public, and the team. But he like he he's he came across as arrogant sometimes, bro. Like he came across as like he knew everything. I, I'll never forget one of the comments that he said, I think his first year or his second year, where he said, Um, you can't talk to me unless you've been in the in the in the field or you put those you you know what I'm saying, right? I can't I forgot exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, something like, about drawing a map or something. Unless you've been there. Unless <laughs> yeah, you've been yeah. there. And, and I'm like, bro, like who talk to people like that? And then on top, like he's yelling, he's he's spazzing out over Carson Wentz talking about he did the analytics, bro. Like what type of emotional field rant is that based on nothing? Like I all of those things and, and to say uh and, and I, I left meat on the bone with, with with my opinion. I can I can talk about him for 20 more minutes. But like my thing is when I look about when I think about Ron and his tenure here as head coach, bro, like not not only to, to think about how he de-emphasized linebacker and offensive line, like you had a solid offensive line when you got here and, and it went to shit. Like and, and and you never found a quarterback, but you prematurely claimed Sam Howe as a franchise guy, and and then you said he was broken two weeks, three weeks later. Like all of these several, several different instances of of trying to figure out what your scheme is and nothing having nothing to stand on, bro. It's just my reason why I think, despite all else, Steve Spurrier, uh, 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 Mike Shanahan, um, Jim Zorn, and Jay Gruden, despite all those things, man, uh, I think that this guy has been the he's been the worst four year period of my life as a person who enjoyed watching the Washington Commanders, Washington skin, Washington Redskins, bro. Look, man, I mean, I when Ron first got hired, I initially thought that he this this tenure will at least be somewhere around Joe Gibbs 2.0. I mean, Joe Gibbs 2.0 was the best in the Snyder era, um, especially coming off the Gruden era. We, we, we were so exhausted from the Gruden era. I think Gruden got what six years here and we were exhausted by the end of the Gruden era. But when you kind of reflect back on the whole Ron Rivera experience. You're looking at the situation like, damn, he's like the only coach that really didn't have to deal with Dan Snyder's hands in the cookie jar. You know, I mean, he had to deal with the other stuff as far as being the spokesperson during the, you know, the, the sexual assault campaign or whatever they had going against Dan Snyder. He had to be like the face of the franchise during a really tough period. But as far as like dealing with the personnel and, you know, kind of controlling and running the franchise, he's the only one of the group that didn't really have Snyder kind of picking at what he was doing. And he had kind of free will. Like Ron Rivera kind of ran wild <laughs> when Snyder, once Snyder uh, had allegations against him and he was on the yachts and overseas and dealing with Congress, Ron Rivera had full control over this franchise. So then you kind of look, you're looking at the end of his tenure and you're saying, damn, what redeeming quality do we have on this team when he leaves here? Like when he first uh, signed up for this job, I thought at the worst, I said, hey, if he he may not bring us back to you know the top football wise, but I thought at the very least we will walk away from here and say, all right, we are in a better space than we were when he picked us up. And I'm looking now like, damn, we might actually be in a worse space now than when he picked us up because when we, when Ron picked up this franchise, 
I mean, we still had the quarterback question. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was here, but you still had some young players that you felt like, oh, man, you know, we got some core group of guys that we can build around. You know, you had Terry, you had Montez Sweat, you had John Allen, um, uh, I think Deron Payne. You know, all of these guys, they would be considered core players. Those players were still the best players on this team when Ron leaves here. Like Ron didn't in his four years here. I don't think he picked up anybody better than the people that he inherited. You know, <laughs> I mean, and, and then he, he never found the answer at quarterback. A lot of a lot of coaches don't get four chances to find a quarterback. Ron got four chances to try to get this thing right, and he didn't get it right one time. And then in his make or break year, he decided I'm gonna go into this with a fifth round guy that's essentially a rookie that I didn't even know if he was any good last year when I had him because I didn't even want to play him in a meaningless game, <laughs> you know. So you you look back at all of that and you're saying, man, this guy, you know, he he has to be the worst, at least in my opinion, because X's and O's wise, I might sit up there and say Jim Zorn and I think you can still make the case for that. I think you can say that those guys, X's and O's wise, are the worst. But when you look at what Ron had to work with and Ron have a full control, like those guys didn't have the control that Ron had. You know, those guys didn't have the autonomy that he had to hire his own staffs. You know, I even remember Jay Gruden kind of had to be told who to put on his defensive staff, you know, by Bruce Allen. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think you should roll with this guy. But Ron had full autonomy. He got not only did he get to pick his staffs, Ron got to pick his damn front office. You know, right. how many coaches get to do that? You know what I'm saying? That's he crazy. got to pick Martin, Marty Herney. He got to pick Martin Mayhew. You would think as a coach, if you can get all of that, how do you end up this bad? Or how do you end up leaving out on such a bad note when you literally had everything you wanted as a coach to kind of get to succeed? So Let me, me, let me add know. one thing. <laughs> that's let, it. That's yeah, it I, I'm yeah. with you. But let me add one thing, too. And this ain't this ain't about Eric Bieniemy, who, by the way, from what I understand, I think it's from Josina Anderson. I have to go find it, but hopefully, I'm not crediting the wrong person or the wrong reporter. Uh, but he may be looking at as, as as in terms of like a short list for the Falcons head coaching job. Um, just for that side note, but one point in the all season after the 2022 season ends, he says that we want to be a two to one ratio team, a uh, run ratio team. Um, now that wasn't realistic, but point point being is he wanted to be a team who 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 stood on running the football, and then you hire Eric Bieniemy just a couple weeks later, who doesn't even believe in running the goddamn football. Like that, to, to you to have not a philosophy in place, like or even staying ten toes. That's kind of what I'm mentioning. Like you don't even you don't even understand what you want to do as a head coach, um, and, and what's best for your team. Let alone like stand stand by that. Like that doesn't that doesn't help you. Uh, that doesn't even help the rookie that you are telling offensive coordinators you plan on starting this year. Um, and 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 that's when I, I think about the first year, bro. Like I thought they had solid pieces in Ron Darby um, uh, defensively. It was some other people who was around too. I think John Boston worked out. I, I don't think that that was something spectacular. That's the reason why you get Jamin Davis in the draft or get a linebacker. You chose Jamin Davis, um, but. Um, I think from your first and second levels, you end up getting Bobby McCain in your second year too. Uh, not a special player, but a very good communicator, and he can hold the fort down in that aspect. Um, like, and and then you get William Jackson on top of that. Like, I don't know exactly what you wanted on your defense, and I don't know how the goals or the the philosophy shifted as the years went on. It ultimately hurt this this whole team uh, from both sides of the football and your decision making from coordinator down to philosophy uh, and even. Uh, the personnel decisions, man. It, it was kind of it was kind of crazy. Um, okay. Sir said that I think because how long he's been the head coach, he's the worst. Monty said the Spurrier era was bad, bad. The old line got worse every year, never really addressed it. Mr. said getting rid of the coaches, defensive coordinators, president, and owner has not helped. Uh Magic, what's going on? Magic said uh they should they should have kept Darby for real. Um, that's that's definitely one person that you could have kept around. Um, AJ, I don't know if you are ready yet. Let me remove this comment. Um, no, we're, we're checking. Yeah, we're, we're checking in on. Uh, what was the question? Was uh, where does Ron's tenure rank for coaches in the Schneider era, and are we worse off than when he took the job? I mean, pretty much asking me to rank ass. Ass, ass. I ass, mean, ass, ass, ass. yeah. Like, I mean, like you don't have to. Like, where like is he? Big Sean made a song like. 
ass, 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 ass. I mean, the only one you can kind of just say wasn't ass out of respect is Joe Gibbs. But outside of that, everyone is is ass. And, um, yeah, I think (laughs) – I don't even know. I haven't even thought about that. But, honestly, um, they're in the same situation as they were in when Jay Gruden was fired. Like, nothing's changed. You don't have a quarterback. You don't also have a culture. Um, yeah, you just in flux. Like, you just – everything is up in the air. So, you also don't have a GM. Um, nothing nothing changed. Like, they pretty much are the same situation, same position as when he took over the job back in, what was it, 2020? Yeah. Um. Then he said, you know, if Alex Smith, if Alex Smith would have uh, never got hurt or whatever, he probably doesn't even get the position. So what what does that tell you? That you should have been trying your hardest to go and achieve getting a quarterback. And the the real moves that you did make, because I'm not going to give him credit for possibly trying to get um, – Russell Wilson or Matt Stafford, I have to go based off what he actually did do. That was Carson Wentz, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, and Sam Howell. Those aren't those aren't solid enough moves to really solidify you keeping a job and trying to push this team to the next level as far as solving that. Uh, and then when you did have Dwayne Haskins, you mismanaged that too. So it's just um it's just really it's just really a, a poor situation for the fans to have to experience, but it's kind of like you still blame Snyder for even the process. No one really got hired for that job. I mean, no one really went through an interview for that. Yeah, for he that. hired him. And he hired him late 2019. We knew yeah, he, was, because, he was coach before the season ended. Because Ron Rivera falls under the category of minority. So he didn't, after he interviewed him, he didn't have to interview anyone else based off of the rule, the Rooney rule. So there was no real process. As soon as Joe Gibbs endorsed him, bro, he said, yeah, you know Joe Gibbs is to blame too. Like, <laughs> I mean, I won't really get into it, but you know, nah, Ron has, I said Ron, it. I said that a thousand times, bro. Yeah, Joe I've said Gibbs ain't got no, no purpose in, in giving recommendations to ownership about who, who needs to be the head coach here. Yeah. Me and John Kime have talked about it, who covers uh, the team for ESPN. Uh, we've talked about it publicly, privately. Um, Joe Gibbs had a role in in them acquiring Carson Wentz as well. You know, um, (laughs) at the end of the day, Ron has done a a terrible job. But, you know, for him, he still got health on his side. He made a lot of money. He's due another $8 million next year. He can comfortably exit stage left um, (laughs) and, and continue to live his life. And I'm pretty sure when Super Bowl week rolls around next month, we will hear even more insight on his relationship with Daniel Snyder and how it was going in the facility. But by then, Washington should have a general manager and head coach. But, I mean, he's ass. I I, I don't want to say, oh, he's number three, he's number two, he's number five. No, no he's, he's the worst. Ass. He's just ass. They all ass. <laughs> that, boy, that man has been terrible. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a terrible four years in terms of, like, this this damn team and trying to figure out what he wanted to do. Um, Henry. Appreciate you checking in, big dog. You said that Washington needs to sign Washington needs to sign Cam Curl to a long term deal. Uh, I would love for you to to give me a follow up um, in terms of what a long term deal means for you. Are you talking about like three or four years? Um, and are you talking about what type of money? Um, because I think that's important. Before I before I tell you, I disagree with you um, because I I can see see Cam being around for at least a couple more years, but we ain't talking about we ain't talking about no big money. We ain't talking about no no four or five year contract. Not 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 the way Cam plays. I, I think that a person who who does his job but doesn't do anything more than that um is valuable. But I also think that that's capped off. Like if you ain't making no plays, he ain't he ain't had a he ain't had an interception in four years. And the man ain't had but one forced fumble his entire career. Um I that is the definition of a person who just does his job. Um so I would love to know well, we, we if you can follow him? up. Yeah Henry Henry Pettis mentioned Cam Curl, he said that they need to sign Cam to a long-term deal. So um, that's kind of where I am, Henry. I would love to figure out what you meant by long-term deal. Let me let me let me answer this. 
would you invest big time money possibly what that person wants right now to re-sign them or would you let the market dictate what that person should get? I'm in a position what? where oh, okay. I would let the market dictate what Cam Curl should get as an offer if I do want to keep him. And currently what I believe the market will be is he will possibly get a one-year deal for $6 million. Not with Washington, but with another team. They possibly want to see how he plays within their system. I don't see him as an impactful safety. I don't see him as um, a Buda Baker, a Derwin James, a uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, a Kyle Hamilton. Uh, I don't even see him as a C.J. Gardner-Johnson, honestly. Like, I think you want a guy, if you're going to pay him premium dollars, to turn the ball over and, and make more impactful plays. And that's not to say, like, he's a piss-poor player, but I just feel like you can get that same type of quality player within the draft. Like, you don't necessarily have to have to force yourself to pay that guy. So I would more so sit back, relax, and, and see what the market dictates for Cam Curl. Let him test the market. Let's see Let's see what the numbers hitting on. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I agree with the same thing. Uh, he can go to the market, man. If he gets some good money, good for him. Uh, but I don't know if Washington should match that. Uh, all right. So we talked about Ron. Let's kind of get a quick conversation. Oh, well, I'll wait till Drake gets back on this one. Um, but Michael Penix, um, after his game against Texas, uh, shout out to shout out to, to Penix, man. But I'm I'm still frustrated, man. I had Texas minus four, and he just he just blew all that to shit. Um, but but anyway, good game, buddy. Uh, he, he's the talk of, of college football. <laughs> Them parlays be having y'all tight, dog. Like, it, I was a straight bet, bro. So funny. It was, but it was still to the point. You're right. Like, I was I was on that zone, like, bro, <laughs> this, this motherfucker. When they went up 10 points, I was like, yeah. And 10, 10 points at that point, I was like, yeah, it's, it's not looking too good. Um, But uh, with that said, if the commanders end up with the number two pick after this week, um, would you trade it with the Bears for Caleb? Stand pat at number two and take Drake, uh, Drake May, or would you trade down and hope Penix is there later? I'm actually I, I didn't read this full question initially, so I'm glad that he said that. There's been this, there was this uh let me kind of find it right quick. Uh where's the bookmarks at? Shout out to my bookmarks, helps me with these conversations. Um, all right, so there was a trade proposal on CBS Sports. Uh, this is from Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports. Uh, where he said that he thought that if Washington wanted to trade up to first overall, um, now granted, this is just one of these people who um, I don't know if there's any substantial thing, but my anyway, I'll just read it. He said that the Bears, he, he believes that Washington can move up for the Bear, I mean, for their first round pick in 2024, their third round pick, and their fourth round pick in 2024, um, and then their 2025 third round pick. Uh, and the Bears will move back from first overall to number two overall. Um, I had this idea, AJ, that with Washington, if they were number two, I don't think that the cost would be as expensive for Washington compared to a team that's at number six, uh, number eight, number nine. I'm just throwing out random numbers or even like number 12 because the cost for them for the bears to move back is they're taking a risk on, on, on leaving some offensive linemen on the table, Marvin Harrison jr. On the table, or even Brock Bowers on the table. They want to do like this dual tight end thing uh, along with Cole commit. But for Washington, I don't, I think that something uh, to this elk is, is in play for them because it's not going to be as costly for Chicago to just move back one spot and they can still have their plethora of decisions uh, or, or players at their disposal. Uh, if they, especially if they want to move on, uh, move forward with Justin Fields. Uh, so I, I'll repeat the question since I said a lot. And everybody in the chat, if y'all want to let us know where you where your head is at, let us know. Uh, but if if Washington ends up with the number two pick after this week, as of today, would you trade up with the Bears for Caleb, stand pat at number two, and take Drake May? Or I mean, I guess in that in that sense, or or even uh, Jaden Daniels, or would you trade down and hope Penix is there later? I would not even consider Michael Penix in the first round. <laughs> um, I think that a lot of people, a lot of fans, I should say, they are talking about Michael Penix because of the game Monday, but it's like I've been watching him play 
for the last six years <laughs> in college. Uh, so I'm not I'm not impressed by what happened Monday. I know who he is as a player, but you can't possibly invest a first round pick in a guy who has had two ACL surgeries in the same knee, 24 years of age, and also has major shoulder is- issues. Like a lot of those things can be masked by universities because they want to be in these possible opportunities to play for a national championship. But the main reason why the combine happens in Indianapolis is so that all players can go through medicals, not select players. Every single player can go through medicals and the teams can make their evaluations and speak with their team doctors to figure out if this person is worth the investment. And with all that being said, I don't care how he looks on the field. If those medicals don't get cleared, man, it's, it's, it's hard for any team to consider him first round. Now, could you go and get him second round if you're a team? Yes, but in Washington's case, you got to go get the best quarterback that you view in your eyes and, and who you deem to be your guy that you can build around. I view that to possibly be Caleb Williams, and I think that the organization would probably be in the same boat. And you make that call to Chicago. Chicago's not going to draft a quarterback. You can make that jump, hopefully, if they stay at two. You make that jump. You also can provide them Jonathan Allen in the trade and, and, and go about your business and you get your guy. And they can still get, you know, a guy like a Marvin Harrison Jr. to go alongside DJ Moore and stay in that process with Justin Fields. And, yeah, you just build from there. Jonathan Allen – he, he doesn't get to call the shots like it's the NBA where he goes trade destination, but he'll get to go to Chicago. It's a beautiful city. Uh, I'm sure it'll match with his personality. And they will give him a new contract. They will give him new money because he does not have any guaranteed money on his contract. They will give him new money like we've seen them do with Montez Sweat a couple days later. And, uh, yeah, you just keep rolling from there. I'm not a fan of Drake May. Um, and as you're seeing, we're not even through the process, even a quarter of it yet of the off season. You're already kind of seeing that a lot of people are putting Jaden Daniels even ahead of Drake May. It's for a reason. It's because this league is made based off of the quarterback position needing to create outside of the pocket. So as much as people want to tug and pull on the in-structure play of quarterbacks, a lot of the guys are having to play out of – out out of out of structure, out of the pocket, and, and make those plays in order to get their teams to the next level from an offensive standpoint and provide a third. And that's something that Caleb Williams does at a at a high level of trying to get outside the pocket to create for passing, not to run. And Jaden Daniels can do the same, but he also can take off for sixty yards. And you got to respect that. We we've seen what Lamar Jackson has done to the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins in back-to-back weeks over the last two weeks. And we also feel like he's possibly going to win his second MVP. Teams are scared of those type of players. Like, I watched Hard Knocks, you know, not to ruin it for you all. But when I watched it this week, Mike McDaniels, like kind of like the first scene of Hard Knocks this week, he opened up with this dude. He's like showing clips of Lamar Jackson versus the 49ers. He's like, this dude is different. And if we don't respect our pass rush lanes and and have integrity in that, it's going to start to look like a video game. <laughs> and so, even even the players within the theater were like, when they seen the moves that he was making, they're like, "Woo!" Like you can hear it on TV. Like you can't. Yeah, that's that's where Cam was talking about game changer versus game manager. So for me. For me, um, there's a couple of things you said that I agree with to, to add on to my point. Um, the injury thing is real. Uh, now, I think Penix is a really good passer, but I think the the, the most significant issue with him will just be the, the injuries and sustainability. Um, I don't know exactly what the injury report would say, like once he gets those medicals checked out. Um, but I do think for, for anyone um, thinking about him, uh, you you gotta seriously consider like how durable he can be in the NFL like for a 17 game season now not even just 16 games anymore but a 17 game season um, and and can he do that and to a point where you can call him like a franchise quarterback 
And, and that's going to be important because if you can't sustain those first three to four years um, in terms of like being available to your team uh, and, and you're missing like three, four games a season for uh, whichever reasons they are, um, that's just as valuable because those three to four games could mean uh, home playoffs. That can mean uh, a bye week in the playoffs. That can even mean a actual playoff contention, right? Um, and I think those those are like while three or four is not a lot um, out of 17 games, that's a lot. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing is my thing when you when you look at uh, the off structure or out of structure things, I, I think and I said this online, um, I think what what people do, I, I'm only going to speak in Washington circles. I, I honestly I think this is probably applicable to a lot of other fan bases. But I follow a good percentage of, or the people that I follow is a good percentage of Commanders fans. Um, we have this idea, like when we hear like these buzzwords, to like harp on them and and only like follow that moving forward in terms of whether that's what they want in the next guy, or that's what they want to disassociate themselves from in the next guy. For example, um, and I'll get back to the the structure with playing within the structure thing. Um, Buffalo nickel term was overused by so many people in the fan base. So many people, uh, that, that covers the team from the beat reporters. Um, and that's what people lived by and died by when they looked when they looked at certain players in the secondary or at the linebacker position. It's the only thing that people ever really focused on, uh, when that Buffalo nickel term was fresh and new in everybody's faces. Um, the other one that I'm thinking of is position flex. Everybody always cared about like what this person can do for your team if they can play multiple positions and it was overused. Um, can't ran into the ground, all these things. And it's been, it was a focal point for so many people in the fan base. Um, and like, it was a buzz, a hot buzzword that people ran into the ground. Um, after you seen, and, and both of those are from obviously Ron Rivera, this, Recent thing with the off the, the playing within the structure has been derived from watching Sam Howell play. And, and I think when people see how Sam Howell has struggled playing within structure and, and not delivering the ball when he needs to, or even when he escapes the pocket and he tries to create off structure and how he makes plays then, or sometimes makes plays then because it's not always great. It's not it's not close to great. Um, but when he when he does that and you kind of see that for 16 weeks. That's the new buzzword. <laughs> so when you see a Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams um, or a Jaden Daniels and you see how they play, people emphasize and overemphasize what they want in this new quarterback that you're going to get. And, and all of a sudden, the focal point becomes, I want a quarterback who can play in structure. Um, how about we kind of evaluate the person and see like what happens when they play in structure and what happens when they play all structure? What if that person is really good at both? And what if that person who's really good at both just happens to play off structure more, more times than not because of reasons that may be out of his control, or he feels like he can win if he buys him his, if he, if he buys his teammates some more time, like it can be purposeful to play off structure at times. Um, and that's kind of where I'm getting at. And, and to say all that, to say uh, with, with all that explaining, explaining out the way, I would be cool with taking Caleb Williams uh, if I knew that, trading up to one wouldn't cost as much compared to other spots or other slots in the drag. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Um, if I stay in Pat, I'd have a hard time buying in on Drake May. Um, and for the record, I told AJ and Dre, uh, and I still feel this way until I actually watch these guys um, in depth. But I, and I, I said that I'm still, I, I don't even know about Jaden Daniels. But my point stands in that if I get a quarterback in the first round, especially at, as a top two, picking the NFL draft, I would much rather these guys, whoever we select, I would much rather find out that it doesn't work here than passing on a quarterback and and within with your first with, with your top two overall pick and finding out that that quarterback was a superstar somewhere else. Ma, so, let me let me let me ask you this. When you when you take into account Washington's history at quarterback position, is there a price too much to pay to get possibly that franchise quarterback? 
Uh, yeah, I do. I think there's a price to, uh, uh, I think, especially where you're at, if you're number two overall pick, if you're a number two overall going into the draft, I think giving up three, four first round picks is, is a lot. Like, I, I think giving up your, giving up multiple first or, or, and or multiple second round picks is a lot. Like, draft capital is just as essential because you need to, you need that, uh, in today's, in today's league. Um, just as much as you need the veteran, the veteran guys. Um, the good thing is like, it doesn't come with money. So like, you're, you're talking about 90 million going into this offseason, right? At the same time, like, I do think that there's a price too much to pay, too big to pay. But I, I think that would only be applicable now if Washington was like fifth, fifth overall or sixth overall. I think right now you're in a good spot where you can, you can make it, you can afford a trade up because it's only one more in front of you and Chicago wouldn't be uh, losing too much if they decide to trade back one spot. Yeah, I was just I was just wondering that because I feel like if if you have to mortgage giving up three first round picks and you get your quarterback for the next ten to fifteen years, doesn't really matter like that. But see, AJ, can can let me let me chime in real quick because what you you got to get what you're saying. We on your question. Yeah, no, I I get what AJ's saying. Like, I mean, and it makes sense because I love Caleb Williams too. I think he's you know for me he's the number one quarterback in this draft class. But the thing about this draft class is I think there's three quarterbacks. I mean, two for sure, but I think there's three quarterbacks in this draft that go number one in a lot of other drafts. You know, so that's that's the question you got to ask when you're weighing, do you want to trade up to a number one for Caleb Williams? Now, for me, I'm fine with that if the evaluators come in and they say, man, Caleb, the gap between Caleb and the next guy is up here to down here. Now, if they think that, then, hey, go, go by all means, go get Caleb. But if they don't think the gap is that big, I think the price is too much to just go up one spot because you're still going to get a guy that can potentially be your franchise quarterback. I mean, a guy that could have went number one in any other draft or a lot of other drafts, you know, and that's in Drake May or Jaden Daniels. And now we're getting the rumors that Jaden Daniels may have surpassed Drake May on a lot of people's draft boards, you know, so that's, that's something you're going to have to wait. I mean, for me, the only option that wouldn't be available is the trade back option. I hate that option with a passion because it's like, yeah, people are saying, yeah, you can trade back for Pennis. How do you know Michael Pennis is going to be? If you like a guy, draft him. Don't don't sit back and say, ah, well, I like him, but hey, I'm going to trade back and get him. No, because if you think like that, just you don't really like him like that. <laughs> like, and if there's guys that are rated as highly, why do we want to pass on that option? Like, you know what I'm saying? We don't have an answer at quarterback. And we are in one of the strongest quarterback draft classes in recent memory. I mean, that doesn't mean that all of these guys are going to pan out. I mean, you might only have two of these guys be good. But what you're looking for from a prospect standpoint. Yeah, exactly. What you're looking for at the quarterback position, you're looking for guys who have that high ceiling. You know, we we don't have that right now. I think we have a fairly good idea with Sam Howe's ceiling is in his league. And that's why we are in the position we are in. We are in a position to draft possibly top two in this draft. I mean, so if, and if you don't have that answer, you go find the answer. And this is a draft where that answer could be staring at you three different ways. <laughs> you know, but again, what AJ, I get what AJ is saying about trading up for Caleb. But I, I also think that AJ has Caleb here and all of the rest of the guys way down here. I personally don't see it that way. Like, I'm completely happy with any of those guys. Like, I mean, Caleb, I mean, he could be a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's he has that type of special type of talent. I mean, when you talk about him, you talk about the Patrick Mahomes of the world. But I look at a Drake May, and I see somebody that could be like a Justin Herbert, who a lot of fans covet in this league, and a lot of fans are still talking about passing on him. When I look at a um, Jaden Daniels, I mean, I don't think he's as dynamic of a Lamar. I mean, he's not that type. I mean, he is a hell of an athlete, but Lamar's, you know, Lamar's here. But he has shades of that Lamar or that Justin Fields type of athleticism you love at the quarterback position. I mean, those are the type of ceilings you reach for. But in this particular draft, I just don't think the gap from number one to number two is that big. And I would just stand pat at number two. Yeah, I think I think also what you have to be mindful of, too, in your draft positioning, and this is for any team, especially if you identify a guy, what if a team jumps me? If you are at number two and you can get to number one where you control the draft, that is the best position to be because you don't know if a New York Giants might try to jump you, uh, New Orleans Saints. You don't know if the Raiders are going to try to jump you. Let, let's say Caleb Williams isn't their guy, and it might be a Drake May or Jaden Daniels. You don't know if another team – is going to 
create some type of type of package to get to the Bears and get that number one spot and take the guy that you identify to be your main person of interest, especially at that position. So it's like those are the things that you got to weigh out. It's like, are you comfortable with playing the board? Because playing the boards, you can end up losing who you really want and having to force yourself to take a guy and 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 feel like a need versus you identifying exactly who you want and making that call and hoping that you guys can come to some type of agreement and be aggressive in that nature to control the draft. And that would be at the number one spot. Because outside of outside of having the number one pick, you pretty much gotta watch the board play out in front of you. And so if you watch <laughs> and you can watch the board play out in front of you for certain things. But at quarterback, I don't know if that's the game you really want to play. So how much are you willing to give up, AJ? Like, what's your price? Like, what, what's, a, what's a price you're willing to say, this is what I'll give up to give, go get that guy number one? One pickup. I know we don't really I'm, – I'm not a gambler in the sense of, like, FanDuel, DraftKings, or MGM. You get me? But when it comes to anything that I really feel passionate about or I want, I'm going to get it no matter what the cost is. So if I feel like if I'm the GM of this potential job opening with Washington and I feel like Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels is my guy or even the Drake May, in order for me to sleep comfortably at night and going into this process knowing that I'm not concerned about others, I need to get to number one and I'm going to give up whatever the fuck I need to do to go get that guy that I want at number one. Like that's, that's just how I would cook. If I was the GM, because I'm not about to sit there and let this board play out like I'm the only team that needs a quarterback just as bad is a lot of teams that will also have picks within the top 10 that may give up whatever to go get one of these guys. We don't know how they view them and they don't know either. They can have little conversations with their friends, but you want to control the board. And I think a lot of people seeing what Carolina did and in hindsight, they're like, oh, that was a bad move. But they felt comfortable, and that's the guy that they truly wanted, Bryce Young. And who's to say if that doesn't pan out over the next amount of years? You know, we we don't know. Like, unfortunately, Frank Wright got fired. But, <laughs> you know, if if he ends up being a top-five quarterback in the next couple years, no one's going to be thinking about the fact that they lost out on – not even lost out. They did a trade with the Chicago Bears and gave them their, their number one pick for the future year. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But right now, that, that point ain't but, looking good for your point, AJ. <laughs> but it's no, two ways. I mean, so but two it, ways, it, though, because you're right. Because, Drake, Dre, you're right, and then AJ's right. But, like, my thing my thing is, because AJ mentioned one first-round pick, I don't mind – you know, I don't mind giving up, like, personally, like, on my side, because I said I'm not giving up multiple firsts. I'm not giving up multiple firsts and or multiple seconds or, like, those high-end draft picks. But I'm willing to give up a first – uh, for next year, I'm willing to give up a, a first and a and a third for ne- like those are high end draft picks, but like I can't give up so much draft capital to the point where like your next couple drafts are are complete are depleted uh, in terms of like your top uh, sixty picks in the NFL draft, and you're not even you're not even in the game at that point. Like the Rams can afford to do that because of how good they were from a veteran standpoint. Every team around the NFL can't do that. And I think Washington is in that position where, like, you got to be real careful about how much you give up. Um, but you can give up one uh, or two high-end draft picks, but you can't give up so much where you think that mortgaging mortgaging the future on that player is, by all means, uh, the the most important thing to do uh, for your team right now. I think that's I think that's always been a dangerous game, and and it's hard to see so many instances where it's worked out. Okay, um, let's go to where are we at? Um, the last thing, I guess, uh, the changes are coming next week. Dre, where are you at with this one? Any players that you think can help their sell help themselves solidify their help themselves solidify their spot this week against the Cowboys? I guess you mean in terms of like the future regime, um, and, and things like that. So, so where are you at so far? If I'm not mistaken, again, uh, I just uh, arisen from the dead at like 5 p.m. So, so I don't know who's playing or who's confirmed to play in terms of like practice squad guys or younger guys. I can only assume it's the same people. But uh, what's, what's on your mind with that one, Dre? Uh, for me, main guy I got 
right now in my mind is Emmanuel Forbes. I mean, I think he, um, you know, because this is a game I think he should play the whole game. This isn't a game where you should be like, where's Emmanuel Forbes? Where is he at? He's only playing seven snaps today. No, he should play every snap on the defense this week because, I mean, he was a first-round pick last year. I mean, even if you thought he was overdrafted or whatever the case may be, he was a first-round draft pick, and he's going to be one of those guys that the new regime comes in and they look at, and they're going to be like, man, can we work with this guy, or are we going to have to look for his replacement in a sense? Like, you know, because if they look up, well, his season from what you've seen up until this point, at least you're probably thinking, oh, he's probably not a guy we could work with. But I mean, if he could show some things, I th- I do think he's flashed a bit, even though he still gives up some things. I think he's flashed a bit as of late when he does play or when you do see him on the field. I mean, he looks like he's kind of there. I mean, he's still kind of trying to learn it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he's still he's still trying to you know, around, learn some things. You know? Yeah, he's around. You know, I mean, he's never too <laughs> far away. I mean, <laughs> but no, I mean, I I think he's one of those guys that could have a good show in this uh, Sunday and help himself going into the offseason. I mean, you know. Like I said, given the season that he had, I mean, I'm not going to go out there and say what I think he should do, like numbers wise or anything. But of course, an interception wouldn't hurt. Uh, maybe, you know, limiting his guy, whoever he's checking this week. You know, I don't know if he's going to be on CD Lamb or whoever they may have him on. But in either way, he needs to have a good showing. He needs to show something for the next regime, you know, to show, hey, I'm a player in this league and I you you can work with me, you know, because right now there's n- nothing too much going in his favor to say that you can't draft over the guy or you can't, you know, sign someone in free agency over a guy. So he wants to put some good things out there because this time, this is the last chance for him to do it, at least this season. So that's one guy I'm looking at. Um, of course, Quan Martin, I mean, that's another one. I mean, Quan Martin he has played a bit more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go too much on him, but he, he's a guy he's played a little bit more of recently he's actually looked a little bit decent so he could put something good out there offensively I don't know if I have anybody offensively maybe the running back Chris Rodriguez I think he can do something maybe he could show something but other than that, Forbes is my biggest person man that's the guy I think that can help the most um so I'll, I'll kind of quickly piggyback on Quan. I think Quan for for all of the hell that you know he got in terms of his preseason and even early in the season, which kind of forced the quote unquote, forced the the team to limit his, his snap counts. Um, I I think for, for whatever he can do in his last couple of games, um, including that San Fran game and now this game against Dallas, um, I think that his versatility is going to be a big piece for whichever coordinator comes in and head coach. Um, because I, I think what that also can do, uh, to AJ, what he mentioned earlier in the, in the show, like, if you want, if you want Cam Curl to test his, his test the market and get his value, see what his value talking about, like there is nothing to suggest or nothing to say that if, if Cam likes what he sees out on the market, we'll invest, uh, our development, our time and development into Quan Martin, because he's a more athletic and I think he's quicker, he's faster than, than Cam Curl. And I think for, for him, uh, because of the athletic traits and, and what you can build, like the building blocks that you can have around Quan, um, I, I think that if you invest that time into him, you may be even more productive on the on the backside because he can probably he can probably create more plays for you from a turnover standpoint and and, and, and giving opportunities to your defense to make plays. Um, and even as a blitzer, like he's been an effective blitzer. That's one of the things that he did when he was getting those limited snaps. He was able to get to the quarterback and create some pressure from that standpoint. So Quan is definitely my number one. Um, defensively, another guy that I'm thinking about is Phil Mathis. Um, another reason why you think about Phil Mathis is because uh, for, for a guy who has been riddled with injuries his first two seasons, um, he's been kind of quiet this year. Uh, and he's playing behind Deron. He's playing playing behind John. But for a person who is in his shoes, who's a second round pick going into his third year, um, if a coach or anybody sees something where it's like, okay, I like what I see in Big Phil, he may he may still have some things to iron out. But if we move on from Jonathan Allen in the offseason, this is the this is the next man up. He's going to be the next man up. So um, I, I think that he can he can really do himself some some uh some some justice if he can perform well against the Dallas Cowboys uh this this week uh offensively um oh that's that's that is it that is a tough one I, I want to see Cas Allen play and I don't know what's going on with his situation um like that that's frustrating that he hasn't played at all this this entire season especially with this season being over like 
I know that Terry McLaurin is just a few yards away from a thousand, so I, I expected him to play. But I mean, what are we doing with Deami Brown? <laughs> why does he have to be? It's over. Why does it's he, over. Why does he have to be here? <laughs> um, who else? Uh, uh, Byron Pringle. I, I love, I love, I love his game in terms of what he specifically brings to a team. Um, it's over. Like you was here on a one year deal, bro. Like you ain't got to keep him around. Uh, like I'm not saying you got to bench all these guys, but somebody you could have called somebody down and and brought Kaz Allen up. Um, and then obviously uh, Mitch Tinsley. Um, he's been active and hasn't played at all. So uh, that's kind of, that's just weird. Um, but yeah, that's, that is kind of rough to kind of see what, what that offensive side looks like. Cause I think that's where the most make up. I think that's probably where like, you're, you're going to really need some help, especially with that offensive line and, um, even tight ends like Cole Turner. I mean, are y'all going to put him in the fucking game? Come on, man. Like Cole Turner has <laughs> all of, all of fame potential, bro. And we just letting it rock. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know, man. That, that's a good question on the offensive side of things, man. AJ, do you? I know. I, I remember your comments though. Like a couple weeks back, you said, "Oh, that it was actually specifically you were specifically talking about practice squad." But um, you like it doesn't really matter for the new regime. But do you think that there's some people who can really showcase themselves in this Dallas finale uh, for the new regime uh, coming in? Not at all. <laughs> uh hate to break it down that way but yeah I think it's I think the main thing that you would want is the guys that were drafted of this class to come out the game healthy uh guys that you do view to be people that you can build around and and keep in the fold like a Terry McLaurin Jihad Dotson possibly even a Curtis Samuel like ultimately you just want some of those guys to come out healthy not saying that you don't want everyone to come out healthy from both sides but if you're Washington, you you just pray that guys like Deron Payne, uh, Jonathan Allen, especially if you're thinking about trading him, I wouldn't even play my veterans. To, to be quite honest with you, I wouldn't even play. I wouldn't play Payne. I wouldn't pe- play Allen. I wouldn't even play Terry. I, I probably wouldn't even play Jahan. I would let the guys that's on these one-year deals um, outside of Curtis Samuel go out there and 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 play. Um. Yeah, and just get to the offseason healthy at this point with no major injuries because if anyone suffers anything like an ACL, they're pretty much done for the year. So you know, if you get to sit, you get to sit an Allen and Payne. You get to see more Ridgeway. You get to see more Mathis. Um, you get to see even from the other DNs, the Andre Jones of the world, the KJ Henrys, James Smith Williams, the Two Hills. Like, just see what they do. Even I'd be a little hesitant with Emmanuel Forbes because um, Dallas definitely has something to play for. So it's not like they about to sit there, guys. I just – that's my number one fear when it comes to this time of the year, especially when you're a team that has nothing to gain from these type of games and matchups. It's like, man, just try to get out of there healthy. That, that's it because the last thing you want is – someone that you were thinking about possibly moving in the offseason to tear a, a ligament or suffer some type of season, not even season and then injury because the season over anyways, but someone that you got to worry about rehabbing and trying to even get to premiere next year for the week opener, for the week one opener. Um, Yeah, uh, like I said, I, I, I just got – I don't know what he's going – I don't know the reluctance, the reason to be so reluctant of, of playing the younger guys, but um, you know, it is what it is. We got one more game uh, and that is in just a couple days. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, fellas. Um, I think we're good. We'll be here post game to kind of close things out against the Cowboys and, and Ron Rivera's tenure. And then we'll be back on Tuesday. Um, again, for those who are watching live, we appreciate y'all watching. Hit that like button. Uh, subscribe if you haven't done so. Um, hit the follow button if you haven't done so, whichever platform you're listening on. Um, the fellas on the all 32 side will be out tomorrow. Uh, I kind of pushed everything back this week. Um, and and being on my deathbed today really didn't help anything, so um, <laughs> I think we're good to go. Uh, Dre, uh, AJ, um, no, we do not want to beat the Cowboys. 
Mister. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no. not, man. No, yeah, that that's, means that's how we're going to end this. Man. We don't care about we don't care about beating these guys. It's a pointless dud. Hey, hold up. Uh, let me just say one last thing on that because I've seen some people say, "Oh, it's the Cowboys. I'd rather knock them to the fifth place and everything." I hate hell. We're First off, the rivalry is on pause right now, and it hasn't been a real rivalry for some years. The rivalry is going to matter again. I, in my opinion, one day it's going to really get back to that point when we start making the games matter. This game doesn't matter to us at all. Actually, it matters to us in the sense that it can help the future for us by giving us the best possible draft pick. I want that. I want that draft pick because I hope that draft pick can make Dallas Cowboys games matter again and the rivalry matter again. So that's why you need to lose this game. Here it is. Um, all right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, appreciate everybody who tapped in, all that good stuff. We will be back on Sunday, man. Enjoy y'all weekend. Stay safe. All that good stuff. Peace. Damn, set, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We're going to pick it off. You're going to let him hit the hole or you going to cut it off. You're going to play through fourth and long or you're going to punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us. Put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap or Die. 